Their leaders talked and talked and talked. But nothing could stem the avalanche. Their world crumbled. The cities exploded. A whirlwind of looting. A firestorm of fear. Men began to feed on men. On the roads, it was a white line nightmare. Only those mobile enough to scavenge, brutal enough to pillage, would survive. The gangs took over the highways, ready to wage war for a tank of juice. And in this maelstrom of decay, ordinary men were battered and smashed. Men like Max, the warrior Max. In the roar of an engine, he lost everything. And became a shell of a man. A burnt-out, desolate man. A man haunted by the demons of his past. A man who wandered out into the wasteland. And it was here, in this blighted place, that he learned to live again. scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Hello and welcome back to your favorite podcast at the intersection of faith and fear, where every week we discuss what scares us in order to find what saves us. This is the fear of God. Speaking to you right now is one of your hosts, Nathan Rouse, and typically with me is fellow co-host Reed Lackey. And guys, he was here a minute ago, but like the fashionista he is, he said he needed to go slip into his assless chaps. Californians, man, it's a whole different breed out there. I'm sure he'll be back. In the meantime, allow me to welcome you listeners back into our ongoing summer mega series. It's Stranger Things season again, and the citizens of Hawkins are once more captivating audiences' attention and so much more of their time than ever before. So we wanted to spend our summer covering films and filmmakers that influenced the show. The first half of our mega series featured a quartet and a half of works of John Carpenter. And now it's time for the second half of our mega series. It's a cornucopia, a panoply, a myriad of films thrown together in one series. That's right. Reed and I, to show our love for you, our listeners made you a mixtape. This half of our mega series will be featuring four films that have inspired the whole concept of Stranger Things. Last week, 
Number one fogger and foreign correspondent Vera Gowdy joined our raiding party to look at the Goonies as we launched this 80s mixtape series. And today, as part of our first series that has ever deviated this year from patron-voted material, that's right, almost all the entries this year, this one excluded, we have covered, uh, have been voted on by our patrons. Join them, and you too can vote on what films we cover this year. Today, we will be covering George Miller's Ode to Safe Driving, Road Warrior, <laughs> a.k.a. Mad Max 2. That's right. Maybe. But before we all buckle up, because it's the law, allow me to welcome back to the show Max Rokotansky's number one fan. That's right. He is Feral Kid's perfect opposite with extremely adept linguistic skills and a terrible boomerang arm. <laughs> welcome back to the show. One third of the Quarterly Kings, the one who, if we're going to get out of here, we talk to him. Wow. I wanted to do Australian. It turned into like Goodfellas. It's the Down Under's best kept secret. No relation to Elizabeth. It is Ian Olsen. Yeah. Ian, welcome back to the show. <laughs> and thanks for teaching me how to how to talk good, so I can be yeah, a narrator yeah, yeah. in a movie. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, you know, I even practiced that line earlier, Dad Gummit, and just totally forgot and ran right into it. <laughs> welcome back to the show, Ian. Do me a favor, brother. Use your um, lightning quick reflexes to grab that snake. While I remind listeners that here at the Fear of God, we explore, we don't explain. Except for right now, when I explain that you can find every fog and fear of God thing imaginable at thefearofgodpodcast.com, like how to support us on Patreon, essays, team bios, episode archives, merchandise, read lackey, read, hey. looking good, brother. Yeah, <laughs> good. this body don't quit. I'm just letting you know, man. Like, listen, if Ray you got Ray. it, flaunt it. Yeah, hey. yeah, that's yes, that's how I tried to live my life, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. I'm glad you're yeah. finally picking up on that. Ian's here. Yeah. Hey, hey, Ian, how's it going, man? <laughs> it's good to see you, dude. I could not be more pleased. This is exciting. Um, this this is a long time coming, man. We have we have had to have this conversation for a very long time, and I'm glad we're finally getting to. This is good. Uh, so that we can get to it uh, with relative swiftness, Reed. Are there any 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 business notes business. you need to put forth to the listeners? Uh, you know what business? Join is, Patreon. Yeah, yeah, business is boring, but it's also booming. Like I mean, just you know, <laughs> it's, it's it's booming and boring. It. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. business is the same thing that we always talk about. Which is, listen, if you're not a part of this, if you're just checking us out because you love Mad Max and the Road Warrior, then come be part of the Fog Community. Join us on Patreon. Join the Facebook discussion group. Uh, go to the website. Check out the blogs. Check out all of the wonderful material that you have in the Fog Community. There's just join lots and lots game. of different ways. Get the join the biker sure. gang. Yeah. Come on, whatever. Come on. Yep. We, everybody needs a community. Listen, free gas. You know, like, come on. Like, where else in this world Clues are you going to find free everywhere. gas? Yep. Except for at, <laughs> at the fog. You know, like that's it. Well, so yeah. You know what's uh what features pretty heavily in pretty much all Mad Max films is is vehicles. And in the spirit of that, I just feel compelled to say to the patron mobile. You feel better? <laughs> that was good. That was good. I like, you like that. that. Now I... about this series of movies, fellas. We are talking about Mad Max. Uh, Who saw this coming? Man, love it. I love I, it. I um, wished I did back in 2018 when I veered off course when we were talking about the stand. I spent a significant amount of time talking about Mad Max. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, you were on the stand? <laughs> well. <laughs> 
I was. I mean, I was copied and pasted it into the sort stand. Of? <laughs> <laughs> you were copied and pasted into the stand. It's like so obvious. I am so. I am so glad, Ian, that uh, we pushed past that because had I just let that experience be the sole definer of my affection and appreciation for Ian Olson, it might have stopped right there. <laughs> and listeners, wow. here we are. Listeners, he tells me this four years later, every couple of days. So. <laughs> <laughs> Just so hey, we're aware. Remember that time we had a three-hour yeah, conversation yes, and you didn't hit record? Yes, I remember. Do yeah. you need to check your recording right now? <laughs> Ian, can we? Ian's, can the listeners hear you? <laughs> Ian's a little shy about even saying hello anymore because of being like, oh, yeah, did you record that? <laughs> right. Okay. That's but that's me. I so, still I'm remember nebula. getting that email. Yep. I still remember getting that email and it was like, or text or whatever. It was like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> what if I t- <laughs> Yeah. I've made a terrible, made a terrible mistake. mistake. I was, yep. Except instead of I've made yeah. a terrible mistake, what I heard was <laughs> No. <laughs> no. A lot of it. A lot oh of my of god. It. <laughs> oh, All right. That still makes my so, bowels clench when I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you've come a long way, buddy. I hope so. Um we are talking today about we're, t- we're talking. <laughs> I love. We're talking. We are. We are. We're talking. Um, Reed, we're talking. Sweet Reed was so nervous. Be- and, and in his defense, he has every right to be with me as his as his co-host. <laughs> uh, Reed was so worried we'd we'd watch the wrong movie that he really drilled that down. So I named this Zoom recording Mad Max: The Fury of the Thunderdome Warrior. Just said <laughs> it. Just, just really said it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Exactly. <laughs> well, Ian, it's been a couple of weeks since this happened. And in fact, it's been like an hour in real time. Uh, so good friend of the fog, Vera Gowdy was on a few weeks ago to cover the Goonies yeah. and you haven't been able to listen to that episode yet. But when you do, you will hear the fact that Nathan had her on to talk about a stranger things episode and the Goonies, but forgot to tell her to watch the Goonies. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that until like minutes before we were about to record. Yeah. And it was just, I mean, we, she's a trooper you, and, and yeah. you would never know. You it, talk about you know, bowels but. clenching when Reed wasn't on the zoom call yet. And I said, Hey, you know, Goonies, when did you watch it last? And she was like, Goonies. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what is Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> we That's even dubbed it, it like. in the dub. We, we dubbed it in the moment, like Hoonies. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Poop, so, poop club in real time. Man, so. it was it was so funny. It was so funny. And this, you know, there's there's even there's even been material that like is not in the fog because we discussed like, oh, we're gonna do this, and then like we come to the moment and we're like, oh crap, yeah, we didn't prepare for talking about that movie, and so it's just like. Yeah, I was my neuroses were tap dancing all over a scenario in which we were going to show up and be like, yeah, so so the road warrior and that one of us was going to be like, wait a minute. I watched Mad Max. I didn't watch. You know what? You know what, Reed? (laughs) I this this never happens in life. I remember uh, talking to Matt Ruff a few weeks back and saying how, hey, to properly critique a film, you should watch it more than once and how my life just doesn't permit that. Mm-hmm. Right now, for about 48 hours, my wife is gone. My kids are gone. Grandma's gone. The dog is gone. So you know what I did in the last 48 hours? I watched The Road Warrior first because you got to get that one out of the way because who knows what time's going to be like. Mm-hmm. And I had a pretty light work day today. So you know what I did? I watched Mad Max 
And I watched Beyond Thunderdome. Yes. yes. So I am wow. caught up. So I wasn't going to screw up. I was going to cover them all. I've seen Fury Road before. <laughs> You're just so. like, I'm going to make sure. Well, you know what? You guys are coming uh, more prepared than me to this conversation. I have seen all four films have almost no memory of Beyond Thunderdome, except for maybe a couple of scattered scenes. I feel like, and maybe this, I mean, I'm hoping this is accurate. I feel like I have a, a decent memory for the for the original. Like a, a couple of things stand out to me about like with his family and stuff like that that I'm mm-hmm. like, I feel like I remember the original pretty well. And obviously I just watched uh, The Road Warrior, uh, but The Road Warrior is the first in this installment that I have watched a second time. I've seen every film in the Mad Max series exactly once. Um, and so, yeah, I'm very well, curious I'll, to hear people's I, thoughts. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to tee up Ian here and I'm going to start us off with a, just a, a great anecdote because while, Spouse, kids, grandma, dog are all out of the house. Who is in the house is contractors working in our house. And just a really funny story. I'm watching. uh, This was during Mad Max, the first one today. Mm -hmm. And one of the contractors and I'm trying to make it cool. Like, yeah, sure. It's cool. And I'm just at home during the day watching a movie. Don't normal people work? Yeah, yeah, my work's different than other people's work. Blah blah blah. So yeah, this contractor's walking through the house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you want to get paid? You want to get paid? Leave me alone. Give me back that lemonade. Give me back that lemonade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, 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 I'm gonna tell two quick stories. This one is one, and it dovetails into another. Uh, so I'm watching Mad Max today, and you know, there's lots of imagery of of motorcycles and cars and cops, and so this contractor walks through the room, and he's like, "Oh, chips." <laughs> Nope. <laughs> what? N- no. This uh, this dude's a from the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's set in the seventies. Oh but no, 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 it's not. Uh, or shot in the seventies. And I said, no, you'll, you'll love this. The back and forth here. <laughs> so he's like chips, and I said, no, no, it's actually uh, it's it's Mad Max, and he's like the TV series, right? I said. No, it's not. It's not a TV. I don't know what's happening right now, but <laughs> he was still waiting for Eric Estrada to come rolling. He was, he was having an aneurysm in real time. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me of the world of the time. I got to. I got to tell the story because it reminds me of it, and then we can move into fully into the world of Mr. Rakotansky. Um Grandma, who lives with us, years ago, back before she lived with us, I was watching a Christmas story one Christmas time as you do and she passes through the room and she's you know paying attention to it for a moment and she's like i remember seeing that when it was in black and white (laughs) 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 you have got some You have got some next level Mandela effect crap going yeah, on in your yeah, home, yeah, man. Yeah. People, people walk into your house and it's just like, lose. What do you say to your mother-in-law when she's demonstrably wrong and right. not look like a jerk? You're like, did you, oh, no, yeah, the best part did about you it after Tommy Hilfiger was on Oprah. <laughs> no, it's like, did she think they had colorized a oh, Christmas brother, story? I don't, oh, yeah, yes, God. yes, that is what happened. Much in the same way, this contractor was like chips. <laughs> my when, God, when Ralphie goes for, into Oz, yeah, yeah, yeah. You asking my, for a snack? Um, oh, my Lord, <laughs> chips. So, Lord, Ian Olson, you're our guest today. I've known for some time that you've been a fan of Mr. George Miller's franchise uh, uh, about Mad Max that introduced Mel Gibson to the world. Tell me a little bit. Uh, and feel free to dovetail this into your your rankings, which will get us into the Road Warrior. Yeah. Um, 
tell me a little bit like, you know, I know you're a Lord of the Rings stan. I know you're a Breaking Bad stan. You ride or die for that. Mm-hmm. And but Mad Max is this kind of curious curio uh, in, in sort of culture. How did you come to it? Why? In in uh, uh, relatively brief, uh, why did it elevate itself so much in your estimation? Uh, uh, in your intake, Phyllis, inspiring yeah. minds want to know, Ian. Yeah. Uh, well, I I can't leave the people <laughs> <laughs> dangling. With, um, I I just saw. Um, I don't distinctly remember when I first saw Mad Max: The Road Warrior and Beyond Thunderdome, but I know that it happened in the eighties when I was a kid. And again, probably like Jaws and various other things, uh, not when I should have seen them. Okay, but but it happened. And they were... <laughs> I was going to say, you're a few years younger than me. Yeah. And I was born in 79, so like, if you saw these in the 80s... Yep, that should, yep, that should <laughs> not have happened. Yep. <laughs> you were a wee lad. <laughs> but it did. So <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, and, and they were just kind of like trivia, you know, so I know who Mad Max is. And like, yeah, I know the gist of... Of this and oh yeah, it's a precursor to a lot of our post-apocalyptic like visions of the near future. Um, mm-hmm. But it was after Fury Road was released where I re-examined the three prior films, and it was um, honestly after a dark night of the soul in Minneapolis where I just began mm-hmm. to have a greater appreciation for the figure of Max as the. Um, deeply broken wanderer of the wasteland um, who is always the one who elects to be left behind to help others that I just began to uh, appreciate him more and appreciate how, although he's the titular character, he's always a side character in his own stories. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I I guess I don't want to say that he's... uh, someone that I want to emulate, but I, but I see, uh, physically certainly no overlap. And that's something that I want, <laughs> I want to be, I want to be ready for that. You know, when, when, when global warming continues oh to gosh. increase and we have gasoline shortages and water shortages, you know, I want to be able to hop on the We're war rig, you know, yeah. um, and play the guitar. Yep. Well, slam the dude with a guitar and, <laughs> sure. and go okay, elsewhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that is a wicked guitar. Um, but, but I guess, I guess, um, what I find, um, worthy of emulation with him is, um, how you have blown it and how you have like lost your grip on sanity Hmm. and the good it, it shapes you, but does not have to be definitive for your ability to now do the good, I guess Hmm. in, in whatever piecemeal and incomplete fashion that is available to you right now. So that's yeah. that that's that's my newfound appreciation for Max Rockatansky. That's cool. Nice. Um I knew when we were flirting with what we were gonna cover in this eighties mixtape, once any version of Mad Max uh circled the conversation, I was like, Wait, I know Ian's a fan. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. I've got a um I've got an icebreaker question for the two of you. So this whole franchise is just littered with gnarly car wrecks just <laughs> i mean just wham bam one, one after, after the other another yeah quite literally <laughs> after, after another after another. Yeah, after another um and then there's one more have, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, look out <laughs> don't forget about me you know um have have either of you ever been 
in a car accident. Yeah, multiple times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I shouldn't laugh at that. But <laughs> no, I you're like well, all the, all the time. Yeah. I've, yeah. I guess I should have phrased that differently. Is there a is there a story you want? To, are you? I mean, you're okay. You're here. Like um, any any particular? Yeah, I mean, like fender benders or worse. Uh, nothing that would put me in the hospital. No, nothing that would nothing that would put me in the hospital. Uh, they've all been relatively, you know, like walk away kind of moments. I uh, probably the gnarliest one is there was a time where I was at a stop sign. And saw somebody across. Oh, no, I will tell a different story. But uh, just in brief, there's a. I was at a stop sign, and I saw a car coming from the other stop sign. They were not going terribly fast. It was you know backcountry roads, so we're talking maybe 25, 30 miles an hour. But I noticed that they not only did not notice the stop sign, but were veering over into the side, and they hit me. They hit me head on. But um, mm. it was. But I was. I was stopped, and they weren't going fast enough. We both walked away. It was you know the cars were pretty banged up, but it was it was all good. Um, but the story that I will tell is that there was one time where I was driving down and I was headed home again, back roads. So not going more than about 30, 40 miles an hour. So I'm driving over this hill and there was a yellow flashing caution light. I approached the intersection. I saw another car that drove up and they had a red flashing caution light. And so they're supposed to stop. I'm supposed to yield. So I got closer to the intersection and I am supposed to keep going. And as I keep moving forward, they pull out and slam into the side of my car. And they, so they did not see me at all. They slam into the side of my car. It knocks me a bit, you know, like, oh, I don't know what just happened. So I start pressing on the floorboard. And in that moment, I thought, oh, no, my brake won't even work because I can't stop. But I, was, I did not realize that I was pressing on the floorboard and not the brake pedal. So oriented myself, okay, got the car to a stop. I stopped maybe, you know... 40 feet ahead is where my car had kind of slowed to a stop. I get out of the car. She did not want to have, you know, like call the police. She wanted just our insurance. And I was like, my car is pretty banged up. I want to call the police. Like, can we, how recently was this? Or, or I was in, I was in college. So, uh, but actually, no, I take that back. I think I was in high school at this point. Yeah. I was in high school. This was pre-college. Um, so I was like, no, 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 I, I, I want to, I want to call the, cops on this so so then uh we get the cop you know we we make the phone call i called my dad uh, we call uh the 911 whatever and they're gonna come out to investigate the thing when the police very small town the police car shows up and when the police car pulls up he gets out of the car looks at her i can't exactly remember the name but calls her by name and says what happened the police officer gets out of the car, looks at the woman that hits me, and I can't remember her real name, but but it was something like Sally. What happened? And I remember Uh-oh. sitting there in that mo- yeah, I remember <laughs> sitting there in a moment like, oh god, I've made a terrible mistake. <laughs> you know, like now I'm 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 not going to share all the grisly details, but he tried to falsify the report. The ju- like the judge actually threw out. Goodness the, gracious! This just yeah, tried to he no he tried to crazy. falsify the report. Yeah, um, and and tried to say it was my fault that the accident was my fault. Uh, again, small town, this, I don't mind citing the town. This was Cherville, North Carolina. Um, but really small town kind of, you so know, would you say she was just a small town girl? Like, 
Yeah, living and living in a lonely in a, world. Yeah, in a lonely world. Um, but yeah, so that was my that was my craziest sort of accident story. Is when the police officer arrived on scene and immediately clearly was friends with the person who had hit me, and instead of doing the appropriate thing and saying we need backup over here, that it's not directly involved with the people right. in the accident, uh, it continued to uh, write up the report and try to make wow. me look like I was at fault for it. So that was fun. It was like um, police are on the scene. You know what I mean? So yeah, passed me that's up. my accent. That's my accent. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, that actually, that went places I didn't expect. So yep. thank you for sharing that. For me as um, well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ian, do you have a, a, a car accident story? How can I possibly like compete with that? <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You're I mean, like, I got rear-ended one time. Yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, th- there was one that I was involved in when I was... Um, I think I was two. So it's something that I know happened because I was told about, but I, mm. I have no recollection of it, but it was, it was fairly bad. And, mm. uh, the car that I affectionately referred to as whole blue was no more. So mm. I don't, I don't know if it was some of toe cutters minions just plowing into oh, us, yeah. and, you know, um, what's, what's the, the, there's toe cutter. There's who's the one that loses his hand. His name. He's got a funny name. Anyway, Chips. go ahead. <laughs> no, definitely not chips. He can't, can't You're not talking about Johnny the Boy, are you? No. Well, it's like a four syllable name. Something. Man, all anyway, my whatever. notes. It doesn't matter. All doesn't my matter. notes just have physical descriptions. I don't know who the heck y'all talking about. <laughs> well, this is in, this is in uh, Mad Max, not in Red Warrior. Um, I'll, I'll throw out as, as to tie this off. And when I was in high school, I wasn't even the driver, I was a passenger. And. Actually, good buddies. It was brothers. One was driving. One was in the back seat. We were, they were taking me home from school after play practice. That's what you do. Oh, man. And oh, man. the entrance to my neighborhood at the time had this really steep hill. Like when you come in the neighborhood, you go, that's a really steep hill. <clears throat> Towards the bottom of which is a drainage ditch under the road, right? <clears throat> and on the road, there's brick partitions on either side, right? So that you don't fall into the drainage ditch. And wildly on the corner of that street lived another high school friend of ours. So we're driving down the street. They start as, as uh, us young dumb kids at the time are wont to do going a little too fast and it had been raining. And so, you know, you go to put on the brakes cause it's time to put on the brakes and you start skidding Mm-mm. and the car is at the lower end of this really steep hill and starts skidding and completely fishtails around so that where the front oh of the car God. was, now the back of the car is, reminder, I'm in the passenger seat, and the passenger now side slams into the brick partition. You know, oh like we go over, over the, uh, off the road into the brick. Uh, I look down and my head is bleeding. Mm. Uh, so this is, yeah, this is wild. Uh, step out of the car and our friend who lived at the house on the corner comes running out because they heard it in their house. Lord have mercy. And I was like, uh, call 911. And so I was, uh, I rode in the ambulance. Uh, I still have a scar right here between my eyes where I had to go back to the doctor multiple times to get glass removed from my skull. That's probably why my memory kind of sucks is there's probably glass still shaking around in there. Anyway, I mean, that's probably Sorry, that's a wild story. Yeah, that'd be that'd be fatal. Uh, uh, well, I can say this clearly. Ian, as the Mad Max fan, like step up your wreck game. Like, you, you know, like you're, <laughs> I, 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 I feel <laughs> a new I feel a new burden from this moment on. 
That's awesome. Well, I'm thank you, right boys. The- for- <laughs> yeah. And then he starts going to start crying. Yep, right. <laughs> <laughs> when I realized Mel Gibson's right behind me, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Well, these days, I definitely would. <laughs> like, Bubba Zanetti. Bubba Zanetti. No, no, that's still not the one I'm thinking of. I'll have to find Chips. it later. T- Toe Cutter's <laughs> second in command? No, stop looking. We're not. That's not the movie we're talking about here. Today, we are talking wow. about <laughs> the, the Road Warrior, which, ironically, the so Road fun Warrior. bit of trivia. Both of you probably know this, but for our listeners who might not, because of the first film's relative obscurity, despite its success in Australia, they dubbed the second film The Road Warrior because they were worried, hey, if you name this Mad Max 2, you're going to lose a large Mm -hmm. chunk of American audience. Ironically, though, the edition I watch, which is the kind of 4K edition, uh, it doesn't have The Road Warrior as the title sequence. It it is Mad Max 2. Wow. Um, Oh, that's cool. Uh, so that was how did you watch kind it? of interest just on disc, the 4k. I, yeah. Oh, I came you, into the, you bought an, it. The anthology last year. Oh yeah. Oh, okay, um, cool. So, so, so yeah, when, when I'm talking, I got contractors in the house, they're noisy AF, mm-hmm. but ain't nobody else in my house that matters to me. I turned that Shinto way up, way mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, blast it. 4k Dolby, whatever it is. Um, <laughs> fascinating bit of trivia too here about the road warrior so on the first film george miller and whoever his producing partner was uh whose name is not in front of me they ran out of money mm-hmm. like just ran out of money so had to stop production at where they were at and because of that miller tinkered on his own time at his house effectively on mad max for a year Wow. Just tinkering with his footage. What's really fascinating about that, though, is why and why it feeds into the Road Warrior. And it's really cool when you actually think about this, because uh, in some of the, the behind the scenes featurettes or whatever I was watching related to Road Warrior, he talks about this. He says, basically, I was studying my own work for a year, learning what I didn't like and what I did like, what I wish I could do better, and basically just taking notes. Mm. And and so he was able to complete the edit of the first film, release it. It actually had unexpectedly uh, strong success uh, in Australia specifically. Um, but because of the experience of running out of money and then being forced to just kind of work on it himself for that long, he was armed with a whole new sort of vantage point mm. on what to do for the sequel, which is why it's bigger. It's a little more elaborate and all that sort of stuff. But I don't know. I found that really fascinating. Like, Mm-hmm. what is on its face an, a definite negative. Like you run out of money yeah. and you can't yeah. release your film in a timely fashion turned into just like a craftsman being able to ruminate, totally. reflect, meditate on his own work and what he did or didn't like about it and, and be able to move forward in that. Yeah. Um, Reed, do you want to, for us, uh, not necessarily fuck you style. Do you feel like summarizing in brief? Yeah. Uh, uh, Road warrior. So um going uh, at at the risk of stealing a little bit of Ian's thunder here so the Mad Max films writ large take place in uh, a dystopian future the original uh I'm going to lean on on some of Ian's language that he shared with us the original kind of shows us the the dissolving of civilization as it's beginning to break down resources are uh depleting very specifically the resource of fuel and gasoline is depleting and so that's kind of the 
destruction of society. The Road Warrior, where we find it, is we're hearing a narrator kind of summarizing the story of the first film in about you know, five, six minutes. And then we witness this dystopian landscape as Mad Max, our primary character, um, is kind of trying to make his way just uh, survival, trying to make his way across the landscape. And on the way, he encounters uh, some people. The first sort of person he encounters is this pilot. He sees a little flying like gyroscope thing that he wants to, you know, just acquire and use because it's a resource that will be helpful. But then the pilot of it kind of ambushes him. They become not really friends, but kind of, you know, peer partner kind of things, a little bit of uh, just, you know, rogues on the same journey as it were. But then the bulk of the story comes when he sees there's a band of, I believe they're called Marauders. Am I right about that, Ian? Marauders? Uh, Um, I mean, they are Marauders. Their gang is called... um the vermin. The vermin? Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So they are obviously scavengers of a very violent and brutal variety, uh, led by <laughs> the humongous, uh-huh. <laughs> the Ayatollah of rock and roll. So um, <laughs> they, uh, and, and he is, boy, he is an incredibly confident individual. And so he... <laughs> I mean, look at him. (laughs) I mean, I I ain't blaming him. Look, if you got it, you don't get that name for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. That's a good point. So, um, but they they, um, pillage and and steal, and they have attacked this encampment. Uh, They've they've killed some people from this encampment in a brutal fashion because they believe that this encampment holds some fuel, which they want. Uh, for for their own sort of collection and usage. And so Mad Max, uh, fast-forwarding through some plot details, Mad Max kind of engages with this group of people that the vermin tried to attack and winds up being a champion for their cause, if only for their survival and their ability to escape this present threat and make their way to a more sustainable home. That's the generalized Love plot it. line of The Road Warrior. Did I do that all right? It was on the fly, but that right? You did that all right. Yeah. Um, all right. <laughs> so, Ian, what I want you to do, so uh, the next few minutes, let's do this. Ian, I want you to kind of rank loosely your favorites. You you are you are assuming the role of listicle here. We should have thought up you a name, but we didn't. Um, oh. uh, so the I want you to rank. Listicle. Yes. Wow. Uh, the uh, list these films in whatever version of least to greatest, greatest to least you want. Uh, then I've got a quick round of questions related to the Road Warrior, and then we'll kind of maybe that ain't right or preamble that with some highlights from this film so talk to us a little bit you know like there's four films in this franchise uh uh rank them for us with some a little bit of commentary on each yeah my my favorite is fury road and Mm -hmm. um it's because uh part of it is just logistically miller had all the resources he needed to absolutely fully realize what we see sometimes in nuche sometimes more fleshed out, but uh, just the sky's the limit, and he just pushes it in Fury Road. I also love that Fury Road was supposed to be originally the culmination of Max's story. That that it is an it is an older Max uh, played by Mel Gibson originally, and hmm. along the course of the story, he's supposed to have these encounters that meet these um, gaps of uh, these, these tears in his psyche um, from across the first three films. And, and it is a way back to 
something like wholeness. Um, and I think that there's still a great degree of that in Fury Road. What I would love if, if the engines ever start up again on a Mad Max 5 um, is to, to have exactly that. Mm. Um, ha- have him come home. Um, but but uh, I just think that it, it's most prominent here um, how Max is severely broken. I mean, to the point of turning animalian for a long stretch of time, not even remembering his own voice. Um, having failed to protect um, a group of people in the um, wasteland. And, um, I mean, amazing action set pieces and um, the best display yet of, um, aside from narrator prologues, the the, the heart of Mad Max, uh, the, the series is show, don't tell. And I just think that <laughs> Miller nails that consistently. Yeah. Um so I, I, I think Fury Road is just a perfect schematic on how to accomplish that. Um, it, are you going to move on or can I, can we commentate? Go ahead. Yeah, absolutely. Russ? Yeah. Um, I really wanted and just, you know, though I had more time than usual, this couldn't quite pull this off. Uh, Fury Road took the most backseat because I had seen it, but I really wanted to get back to it and may still because it is wild watching these first three. And what I'll give credit to here, we we... We talked about this. We we nodded to this on the Goonies a few weeks back. How quote unquote classics can a bit be a bit burdened with a hype that is kind of unfair to the yeah. original expression, mm-hmm. um, and so you kind of come at these things a little dubiously. Of okay, you know, it's uh, in that case it's Goonies, but in this case it's Mad Max. I will say, watching Road Warrior, and that's not what you're talking about here, but watching Road Warrior. Specifically, I was ready for a muted kind of like, okay, it's it's a vision of a world, but though maybe not a a a rewarding experience, which was absolutely not the case yeah. uh, in watching it. And so to Mad Max, a little less Thunderdome, but Fury Road specifically, it's fascinating watching those first three and and even in memory knowing Fury Road just gives the ceiling he always sort of needed to fully visualize yep. the world he was trying to paint. And yep. and to his credit, did pretty well at painting. Absolutely uh, just, agree. Yeah. Just limitations being what they are, couldn't quite reach it. Um, and, you know, I mean, Fury Road also gives us the character Furiosa, who is incredible. Um, the villain, it's, it's a Morton, right? A Morton Joe. Morton um, Joe, yeah. Just who is visually, also a toe cutter. Yes, yes. Uh, who just visually is an incredibly grotesque and dynamic on-screen presence. That's just a hell of a movie. I mean, yeah. it is truly a hell of a movie. Yes. Um, okay, so you're Fury Road. Reed, any thoughts on Fury Road that you want to throw in or add? Nothing Nothing that would add more substance to what you've already said. I mean, I will say that Sandstorm sequence in Fury Road is probably indelible in my mind. It's such a visual extravaganza. So yeah, no, but echo all the same things you guys have said. Yep. And okay. The last thing that I should add about Fury Road is just the transformation of witness from one of the ideological choruses, refrains of Morton Joe's, you know, dominion um, Mm. to, to Nux saying that as, as he sacrifices himself. 
Uh, for those of us who haven't seen it recently be explicit what are you saying uh so so immortan joe's uh soldiers um Uh when they are prepared to die in an attack they'll shout to their brethren because they are a lot of them are literally brothers uh they'll shout you know witness and then others will Mm, shout witness you know and it's like okay it's official you know you're gonna ride to valhalla as you take out the enemy and uh, we see one of them um and and it's great because visually all the paint that makes him skeletal white um, fades away over the course of him becoming part of Max and Furiosa's group. Um, and he becomes more human over the course of that. And when he uh, stays behind to steer the war rig and and uh, block off the entrance and, and ensure that Morton Joe's army cannot make it back home, um, the last thing he says, looking back at them, is witness. Mm. Yeah, and, that's and awesome. it's, it's yeah. just a it's Witness just a great me. transformation of it. Yeah, yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's that's tops. Yeah, um, my second is Road Warrior, and it's not awesome. significantly mm. far behind. You know, it, it is it's not awesome. um, at all because it's uh, if there is no Fury Road, it, it, this sounds like uh, damning it with faint praise, but you know, Road, Road Warrior is so good. Um, yeah, and, well, and 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 it's such a left turn from Mad Max. That's one of the things that I love about yeah. it too, that there, there is a consistency. You're like, yeah, this guy is even more far gone than when we last saw him, but it goes from being, you know, this revenge story to, um, it, it's, it's practically a Western. I mean, it's, um, it, it really introduces Max as the, um, what I compare this to is John Wayne and the searchers who gets the job mm. done. And then the last scene is, you know, like, Let's go home, Debbie. And everyone goes back into the house. And then John Wayne stands framed in the doorway. And he looks in. And he can't go in. And he goes back outside. Mm-hmm. And the door closes. And that's Max. He doesn't get to go home. Sure. Yeah. He, mm-hmm. he helps everyone else get home. But not him. Yeah. And and Road Warrior is where we get that established. And and it just... um, We have... We have a heroic transformation that I don't think at any point ever feels uh, like, oh, the, the the movie's doing it because that's how the story goes, you know, because like, that's right. what we that's what we yeah. need. Um, it I it feels like a genuine uh, movement from Max as subsistence scavenger himself, um, who only cares about his dog. Yeah, you know that is his one connection to anything beyond sheer survival. To insisting like i'll drive that tanker you know i i'm your yeah. best shot and uh i mean owning just uh and and again being left behind at the end yeah. right job's done and and now he's left to wander again but i he did the job okay yeah awesome fury cool. road red warrior it's two left my my third right. is beyond thunderdome okay okay really it it is and that's because um, I think that there are significant ways where Mad Max is a better film. I, I absolutely will admit that. What I love about Beyond Thunderdome is the continuation of uh, Max as the reluctant guardian mm. who, like, when, when push comes to shove, this is what I love about him. Like, okay, well, no one else, who the hell else is going to help these people? <laughs> I, I, I didn't yeah, come here yeah. to do this, but... No one else is going to. And mm-hmm. again, at the end, electing like, all right, you guys are getting home. And, yeah. and um, 
that's just such an important part of who and what this character is to me that I'm able to forgive what what are definitely like faults in Beyond yeah. Thunderdome. Um, sure. But but again, it's a deepening of the mythos of this uh, this future, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, on the whole, yes, I'll take Beyond Thunderdome before Mad Max. So Beyond Thunderdome is number three, and then Mad Max is number four. My only commentary, real quick, Reed, you'll enjoy this. So uh, I asked Ian a question today uh, to couch some context of the the Mad Max world, and he sent me back uh, a, a trademark, Ian. Uh, long form voice message and in it he <laughs> made he made a vocal uh, uh snafu when he accidentally said thunderdorm and it has just led to all <laughs> sorts of humor from me where i was like oh that's the college version of thunderdome you know as mad max beyond thunderdorm it's like they're, oh, they're just fight clubbing it God. out in the in the quad you know at thunderdorm. thunderdorm so awesome oh, so mad max <laughs> mad max is your least of the four uh any any 30 second commentary you want to throw on mad max um that that it's the um no, nothing else gets off the ground without it and i think that it's important um and i really think that toe cutter steals the show <laughs> In oh, Mad he's Max, fantastic. more than yeah. more than Max himself does. Max is, uh, I, and like I told you earlier, Nathan, I think it's important that Max is not well when Mad Max starts, and then it's what happens over the course of the movie where he goes over the edge. He's already yeah. slipping <laughs> when yeah. when yeah. that movie's beginning, and then what does happen is like it's it. This has snapped, mm-hmm. and the only place to go is the outback. Like I do, I no longer at this point fit in in civilization mm. which unfortunately um, in in universe is on its way out as well yeah it's funny i i would say in brief i would i would have probably put mad max above thunderdome partly because just it's the first what you know going into it or what i knew going into it was quote-unquote lower budget you know experimental you're, you're almost expecting a little more uh, not art house that's the wrong word i'm looking for but like you know, indie film vibes and it, yeah. it's pretty well executed. I mean, it, it's uh sound design is great. Like you said, toe cutter. I mean, he, he might be one of the more well-realized villains overall. Um, uh, whereas Thunderdome, it's first half is pretty strong and interesting. It kind of devolves into a bit of, to, to re-quote quote this movie, a bit Goonies ish, a yeah. bit uh, Amblin ish in a way that doesn't quite read as, as authentically as the others. Um, well, thank you for that. Uh, Ian master of the Thunderdorm. Um, so <laughs> you referenced this character in your rundown and it's going to lead me into, uh, a, a quick nod and some, uh, real easy terse questions before that. ain't Right. So Reed, did you know yeah. in Mad Max Two: the road warrior, there's a bluey crossover. What? The dog didn't catch it. is a blue healer. Oh, <gasps> I didn't realize that. The dog that. is a blue wow. healer. Yes. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. Uh, that's, that's a really awesome. great dog. Although George Miller seems to have a thing against dogs, which is right, quite grating, mm. uh, uh, at mm-hmm. least in those first two films. So I've got a quick round of questions before that ain't right. So all of right. the Road Warrior, which we've all seen, we've all consumed relatively recently. Who would you pick? Real, you know, quick fire mm-hmm. kind of questions here. Your your sidekick. Who's your favorite sidekick from this film? Is it Pretty Boy, which is Wes's? Pretty boy, uh, the gyro <laughs> captain or the dog? Pretty boy, gyro oh. captain, the dog. Read. Who, who are you asking? Oh, me? The, the dog. Yeah. The, the dog. Okay, Hands right. down. Yeah, Ian? it's the dog. Dog, which is okay, his name. Awesome. 
dog. Right, exactly. <laughs> Quick dog. little editorial note on the gyro captain. Funny enough, the reason they wrote that character, or his, at least his form of locomotion, into the script is so that the studio would give them a helicopter to use for shooting because they wanted aerial shots. Yep. Wow. Um, That's cool. <laughs> That's um, clever. Uh, the, the next quick question is best character who shows their rear end wes or the dog <laughs> read go wes wow okay ian dog right exactly right answer uh okay next one best non-verbal character in the movie feral kid or dog wow i see what you're doing here now dog dog ian yeah, this is actually a trick question because if you pay attention to the movie, what I said was best nonverbal character. Feral Kid actually is a verbal character. Right. He's the narrator. Yeah, you're, you're a tricksy one. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. question. Best dog in the movie. Go. Dog. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Dog. Um, all right. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for Ian and read that uh, fun dog centric uh, series of questions there. It is now time for the part of the show where we assess things in the film in question that are not just wrong, but of which might be said, that ain't right. That ain't right, it ain't right, nothing right about it, no, it ain't right, no, it ain't right, no, that ain't right, it ain't right. It sure is telling it right, it sure is telling it right. That ain't right, that ain't right, that sure as hell ain't right. <laughs> okay reed why don't you start us off road warrior what is your that ain't right so there's the silly one and there's the not so silly one uh i mean if nobody mentions what i wrote down as the silly one then i'll come back to it but i mean i did feel kind of like ooh, awful the 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 woman victim of the that vermin. was terrible yeah that yep. that and and I'm not you know sometimes that ain't right can be kind of an opportunity to be a bit jokey or a bit you know like silly yeah. about it That's this, this is not jokey yeah. or silly at all that was really bad in terms of like you know it accomplished what it needed to in terms of showing how bad these people are but I really when I watched that I was like oh god I didn't expect I didn't expect it to go there and so uh, I, I did not remember that scene or maybe the version I saw when I saw it originally was like a TV version that didn't have that scene or something but yeah it really took me by surprise and and that ain't right no silliness that that ain't right uh, yeah. Ian what is your top that ain't right um so I'm torn between um, the guy who um, he he hits the car. And he was supposed to just fly off right over, right over the car. <laughs> yeah. And then the crazy thing is that he clipped his legs and broke them, and right. did the head over the heels. performer, the stunt performer. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. my god! And goes <laughs> like that. Lord and, uh, have mercy. And Miller is like, "That was awesome." <laughs> <laughs> like, the guy like, right, can't bro? walk. Oh <laughs> right. my yeah. god! But he showed up for work the next day. Um. So he got like rods in his legs. And because uh, he because he turned out okay, they're like, let's use that because that's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. oh my gosh! I, I mean, it's a great I, shot. Yeah, no lie. It, everyone always assumes that like that was meticulously planned, and it's a total accident. Mm. Um, so crazy. It's either it's either that or when the two prisoners who are on uh, like the mast of the humongous's car get smushed against the chair. yeah. Yeah. So that yeah. was those were dummies with watermelons for heads with wigs on them. 
That's really funny. Um, <laughs> I love that of your your catapulting, cartwheeling, and midair stunt guy. As I'm watching it last night, you said, "Have you seen the guy flip off his bike three or four times?" And I literally just texted the screen uh, the the footage of it. Yep. Um, for me, uh, one it says not the dog, not the dog. Um, other than what y'all have named, uh, the boomerang going into Pretty Boy's head is pretty rough. And then uh, Wes, who I took to referring in my notes as punk ass bitch um <laughs> when he leaps back over the cab at the end like pure just like general jump moments that we talk about on the show a lot that one nails it indeed uh, yep. really does yep. no, <laughs> um uh and eating dog food like that's just that is that ain't that's right. so gross um, it's so it gross. Is gross oh my god guys what I'm not arguing it can't, it, you don't have to do it for survivalist needs. I'm just saying it's still nasty AF and I don't want to do it. And when I see no someone doing joke. it, I don't, I don't, I'm going to recoil, you know? No, Tommy's going to be like, it's gross. Noted. all right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I will, I will say, man, I mean, I applaud his confidence, but man, that outfit of the humongous just ain't right. Like it just ain't right. Like it ain't right. It ain't right. I don't care. I, I see your muscles. I see you. That ain't right. Like And everything oh else. God. Yeah. Yeah, we do see everything else. Like, no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, that, unless you boys want to jump in, has been the Road Warrior installment of That Ain't Right. That sure as hell ain't right. Um, all right. So the Road Warrior. I mean, I, I you know, yeah, I, I feel like this is a time where you know, we can feel free to go ahead and start opening some thematic doors or, you know, if there's any other real sure. specifics you want to address in the film, but I would kind of invite whatever, um, well, read, you haven't said a ton. What, what, what would you feel like? Offering so, here? so here's, here's what I'm going to say. Um, and, 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 and I'm going to actually possibly apologize. Um, I actually am entering this conversation very much as curious observer I know Ian's enthusiasm for it. A lot of what he's already shared about Fury Road I find deeply compelling. I'm going to be confessionally honest that even in this new viewing of Road Warrior, I, I kind of wrote down, I don't know if Mad Max is just my wavelength. Like, I'm watching it. I'm impressed by the mm. visuals. I'm impressed by the film craft. I see very little to nothing to complain about. But I'm, but I'm not... It, it also does not ignite my imagination in a way that I have experienced from certain other things. And I don't know what the disconnect is. So while I find it difficult to say like, oh, I just didn't like this movie. No, it's it's such an exceptionally well-made movie. Like the visuals are very interesting, everything. But it's just something about it doesn't quite click for me on the wavelength. And Ian, just in the five, ten minutes or so, you were talking about the franchise and talking about the arc of the character of Max. I was like, oh, wow, that's fascinating. So it's kind of like a lead-off here. I'm like, I know Ian's passion about it. I'll probably jump in here or there, but no, like I'm, I'm excited to hear... I know, Nathan, you're fresh off of some viewings of the franchise, and Ian, I know you've lived with this for a long time. So, yeah, I mean, I will applaud and praise the film's kineticism. I don't know if that's a real word, but it's just like it has such a, sure. a, a, a yeah. real... A propulsive energy that I think uh, works really well. And again, I can find almost nothing to dispute about the craft of it. But imaginatively, I, I, I'm still struggling to find some emotional and imaginative connections with Mad Max. So if I'm a little quiet for a good chunk of the episode, that's, that's kind of just because I'm soaking it all in. I find it fascinating. So 
I'm going to, I'm going to piggyback on what you said to, to, to open the door for Ian here, which is to say, it's funny you used, uh, you made up the word kineticism, though. I actually don't think you made it up. I actually like that word, but, um, <laughs> Ian, maybe you'll echo this. That's actually what I felt missing in Thunderdome in the middle section. I was like, man, we're kind of going nowhere. And this, and which in a, in a movie that isn't titled Mad Max whatsoever, it's fine. But I was like, I'm on, someone put me on a locomotive. Someone put me on a moving thing because this feels like a bit inert right now. And to me, some of Thunderdome does uh, steer into schmaltz a good bit. Steer, get it? Yeah. Steering. Um, (laughs) Cause what's interesting, Ian, I'm not going to say you are reading more into the franchise than is there. I'm not going to say that. Mm. I do think on first viewings, I am seeing what you are articulating, even if I think it's pretty like a leather clad figure clouded on the horizon. It's kind of there. But I don't know if the films themselves, because so I'm sort of bridging the two notes here, Reed, because I I don't disagree with you. And honestly, what amplified my affection was the first film. The first film does a lot more tonally and is a bit more conventional in its presentation than any of the others. And so you get a little more of that backstory um, that that pushes him forward. But so as, as a real explicit example, and then Ian run, uh, I kept waiting in something like Thunderdome for more explicit, uh, uh, of that thematic work. I don't feel like it's real explicit, which maybe is me saying, Hey, spoon feed me. And I did admit even to you that I was kind of in 70% attention, attention mode. So maybe some <laughs> is there that I just overlooked because it's more subtle than I realized, but it does feel a little more like we've got a really cool character with a pretty baller backstory and we know how to make kick-ass set pieces now run. Yeah. Like, Mm. so, so I'm, I'm toggling between those feelings, even if when those three things are working in concert, it's unparalleled. Uh, but part of me thinks because you're a deep thinker and lovely person that you're, you're painting a tapestry, that may not be as evident. Even I'm, I'm not stating it's not there. Just saying it was a little harder for me to see, knowing what you'd thought. Yeah, now, please, Sally forth. I, I I I don't disagree with anything that you uh, uh, just said. Um, and I think particularly with Thunderdome, when I rank it as number three, at the very same time, I'm I'm a there's a little bit of resentment on my part because what I'm doing is kind of holding up a differential and imagining mm-hmm. a Thunderdome that might have been. Um, because it, that that production, Miller um, throttled back considerably in the making of uh, Thunderdome because his uh, longtime you know friend and uh, partner in making these stories had died, and he just was not in it mm. uh, as much. And the the last thing that we see is for Byron in oh, Beyond yeah. Thunderdome. Yeah. Oh, and, wow. and, so, okay. and so we have um, we just have more intervention from people who are just cynically looking to make a blockbuster with with yeah. the, like hey established character right and uh, right 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 and, and so I know I absolutely agree that it suffers from that Amblin schmaltz right I think the idea <laughs> of like the cargo cult kids 
can work. I don't think that it's executed particularly well. Why do I like the idea nevertheless? Because this forces Max together with kids once again after um, the loss of his son. Um, what mm-hmm. I like is that Max is not a hero typically who chooses any heroics. Um, mm-hmm. he, he is in the wrong place at the wrong time and um, reluctantly comes again to recognize like, okay, I, there's nothing else to be done except I do this here. I, right. uh, so it almost feels weird calling him a hero. I also, I'm not sure if I want to call him an anti-hero. He's not a, a Venom. He's not a no. something like that. He's a guy who's there. And he's a guy who has skills, and he's a guy who a particular set of skills. Up, he, he will find you, and he will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> well, he, we joke, we joke right there. But what is noticeable about the franchise is he is never the dealer of death. He was rarely, you know what I mean? Like, like in actual moral quagmire moments, the story does intervene a little bit. I'm thinking specifically of. Uh, master blaster or blaster or whichever master you know blaster jack astor whatever um so there's that blaster then, didn't deserve that <laughs> what? blaster didn't deserve that <laughs> no r.i.p blaster so there's that moment that sort of lets him off the hook a little bit you know from getting his hands too dirty i feel like there's a moment or two in the road war that just didn't come into mind but but it's noticeable it's noticeable yeah. watching it and how it it the the universe keeps his hands at least nominally clean. Well, and that's he, why. Yeah, go ahead. Ruth. No, I was no, I was just going to say from my memory of Road Warrior, when he deals death, it is nearly always in self defense and to stop himself from dying. Like I don't remember a moment from Road yeah. Warrior at all where he comes upon a, a victim or anybody else and then takes their life. It is the only time he does sort of end someone is to stop himself from being ended, which you know kind of just that makes sense it's just yeah anyway that was just affirming well i i find it interesting uh given all that we're saying that in beyond thunderdome i i don't know if you caught this uh nathan but he tells the the kids um i'm the man that has mr death in his pocket and Hmm. it's it's interesting how he presents himself in that way because he is not the uh wielder of of death in a in a broad way and, but he's the man who stays alive, and he's the man who has rescued. We, the The whole idea is we don't know how many people he's helped along the way in his wanderings, in his cowboy wanderings through through the desert. And sure. it's supposed to have the idea of he's the legendary figure, right? He's right. the road warrior. The we don't even yeah. know all there is to know mm-hmm. about him, but this is what he does, right? Um, and not even as a self-conscious mission. It, it is, um, I guess that's what I find fascinating about him is that he is so shattered psychically mm. that first and foremost, he is there to survive and that he gets these pushes from outside of him to do the right thing. Yeah. Um, mm. it, it, and it's sorry. I'm sorry. I got it, Stephen King push in my brain there. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> But but it, but it but it comes through like his becoming enmeshed in in an obligation, right? And there's there is still some part of him that cannot utterly 
ignore that, however much he knows that it makes sense in some way to do so. Like, look, I'm just here for the gasoline. I mean, that's right. the, that's the only reason he shows up at that camp in the first place, right? Because he yeah. also is a scavenger, and and but, I love that Road Warrior is the first glimpse of maybe it, it's because it doesn't even feel total at the end that has happened, but maybe life here in this setting, in spite of how awful it is, and how in spite of how uh, predation is the norm here. Maybe life can be something more. Mm-hmm. But to Reed's point, and Reed with with the freshness of of the first trilogy, and my view, what what Road Warrior doesn't really do, what what almost none of them really do, post the first one, is is really give you some of that extra narrative context because. I don't know if you remember this. I wouldn't have so for listeners because we're clearly dancing across the franchise here. Like if I dislike anything about Mad Max, it's and I texted Ian this today is it it feels like a precursor to what would become Mel Gibson's revenge porn kind of narrative Mm. leanings uh, because by the end of Mad Max, which is a really well structured story, really well constructed, really well realized, you know, his wife and child are are taken out by uh this bloodthirsty gang and he goes on a, a, a revenge rampage in the last 10 minutes and you know which propels him into this this wandering future and i guess i guess again it's it's quibbling on a certain level but it's also saying the films in isolation can exist as just these sketches now they're really awesome sketches uh but mm-hmm. I think there's a world where I kind of wish now having it all in view. Cause remember Ian, just yesterday I was like, well, my understanding, and this was an ignorant statement on my part. My understanding is they're pretty divorced of continuity. Well, now seeing them all like, well, no, not really. Um, mm. it's just the way those, the, the, every film except the first is kind of delivered mm-hmm. is, is more monster of the week. And so yeah, there's yeah. a world where there's a world, which is great, but there is a world where I kind of wish some of that thematic stuff was a little more explicit and on the surface of that. I just don't really feel like is there. And I guess like what I, what I fear is if it's um, explicit, will it lose? um, Will Max become an action figure? I guess is what, Mm -hmm. is what my worry is because Mm -hmm. what I like about him is the, the mixing together of these shades where, I mean, So in Road Warrior, at first, like, I don't think you really like Max very much. You're like, whoa, yeah, he's a good driver, you know, and he has a cool suit. Um, but is he a villain? (laughs) Is, is this, is this a, uh, like POV on the, on the slasher? Um, Sure. And I, I absolutely agree that many of these things are not explicit, but what I, what I love is the small bits of continuity that I, and I mean, no offense with this, but if your attentiveness is at 100%, one of the things I love is that Max's wounds are sustained throughout. Hmm. Um, So when, when he's shot in the leg in Mad Max, you'll, you'll still see that that same spot is bandaged in the road. And he's got that kind of of brace on his leg. He's made a brace out of uh, car parts. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And those things remain. Uh, he has, um, where, where he has the, the, uh, kind of like shoulder pad part is also yep. where, where he was shot. So there's, I, I, I guess no, I feel I'm, like, I'm there. Yeah. I, I guess I feel like what these things that are not explained, but if, if you link them, if you take the trouble of linking them, I think that it just invites the imaginative expansion. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I don't always like just being told like, Hey, you figure it out. You know, like I, I don't always mm-hmm. like that, but I guess it's the way where Max almost feels like a, uh, I don't know, wandering samurai fantasy figure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. The man with yeah. no name. Right. Right. You, um, so yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to jump in on man with no name because like what's bubbling under the surface when you say that. And I, and, and I, I do agree. There's a very sort of Western sensibility to like American Western sensibility to a lot of what's driving this, which is interesting considering they're rooted conceptually in George Miller and everything in Australia, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, yep. so I'm not, I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm saying they're akin to one another in the same way that Akira Kurosawa in, in Japanese cinema the American yep. Western wouldn't be the same without his samurai films, you know? And so yes. like they, they all are scratching at the same kind of thing, which is an agent of change, a catalyst agent. And I love it. Like, is he a villain? Is he, is he a hero? Like, what is he? He's just, he's an agent of change with a, you know, it does remind me a lot of man with no name and, and the Clint Eastwood character, Clint Eastwood's best Westerns have that driving force where you're like, you don't know what his motives are. He's here and he clearly has a root of compassion and he clearly has a root of sympathy, but you don't know really what he's doing. And ultimately, he's just traveling through. Um, so and anyway, remember, yes. remember the very end of High Plains Drifter, just like he's he's leaving. He's on the horizon. It's he's, Mirage. Yeah. And then someone's like, who are you? Yes. <laughs> like, yes. And and the best Westerns, not the motel. Um, the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for calling it out because I was thinking it the whole time. Yeah. The the the. <laughs> The finest example of stories like that, whether they be uh, samurai films or westerns, uh, they do leave their characters in that kind of mythological obscurity where you don't know every piece or everything. One of my favorite examples, I'll cite this, and and I know we're probably close to winding down, but um, one of my favorite examples of it is Clint Eastwood's western Unforgiven where you spend the entire time of that film, I don't know how recently each of you have seen it, but you spend the entire time in that film uh, wondering what is Clint Eastwood's character's history because some people are deathly afraid of him. Others seem a bit too brash and bold when they're interacting with him or whatever, and it's not until the culminating end of the film do you realize what he's truly capable of and what, you know, kind of what his thrust is. And I feel like the the value in Mad Max is, is in leaving the character of Max in relative mysterium and then anchoring yourself with the plight of the people that he's encountered. Because that's yeah. that's where the root of whatever it is is going to be like, they need to get to this place that they want to get to. They need to have a means of transportation. They need to be free from these marauders. And so the agent of change has come in. It makes me think a lot, although that's not a lone character thing, of like Seven Samurai, where Seven yeah. Samurai is a film all about like, these these uh, uh, sort of subjugated people, these people under a thumb, and then an agent of change with the capacity to do something about it. The tagline, at least on the poster that I saw for it, is "One man can one man make a difference." difference. Yeah, you know, yep. and 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 it is interesting to me that we're talking about this language of heroism and everything. So I, I'll say this, and then I'll probably be done. 
where this conversation, and I will say this conversation did it, not the film viewing as well. So I'm grateful for this conversation is in our definitions of heroism. Sometimes it really is just about making a difference, about turning the tide from what it was to something else. Now, is that bold ethical heroism? Well, that's for people smarter and more philosophical than I am to debate. But the idea of making a difference in the situation, it also reminds me on this same theme of like the the TV show uh, starring Edward Woodward, but most recently the Antoine Fuqua directed films, The Equalizer, where why he's called The Equalizer is because when he puts out help for people, he said, are the odds against you? Well, he's the equalizer. He steps into the situation and he can make a difference to it. And Mad Max is that type of character where he can make a difference to the situation. And then the the heart, the soul of it becomes in Fury Road, you've got Furiosa and what she's doing. In in Road Warrior, you have these people who are trying to make it and, you know, this feral child who now the Road Warrior will live on forever as myth and right. legend to him in his memories. Um, and that is compelling. That's deeply compelling because because one man can make a difference. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's so it's so wild. So it's funny just reflecting in real time on my experience of the franchise and how because I came to Fury Road knowing only knowing only Mel Gibson was Mad Max, and those were older movies. Like I didn't know anything about any sort of continuity. I didn't know anything about stories i i at at best had seen scenes but that was really at best um so when i come to fury road with that level of ignorance you watch fury road and i'm i'll I'll make the statement and on its face it sounds a little dumb but understand that's the the entering context to watching that movie is like oh well is this a bond-esque character insofar as you can kind of throw a new actor in there and it, it's they're, they're more of a cipher than you know a, a true kind of character and then you watch fury road like oh tom hardy didn't really even do much the, the real interesting character is furiosa um you know w- watching these three now really compels me to watch the fourth but more than that it's such this is this is pure just nathan off the cuff like it's such a shame that there's so much that's such a shame when it comes to the the name mel gibson but uh it kind of is fascinating, Ian, to to your point 10, 15 minutes ago of like, what would have been cool is a Fury Road with a Gibson portrayed Max, and then even a final or however long they go. Because what's fascinating about the delivery mechanism of these movies is because they're so they have such a light touch with the Max character one to the next, you can kind of take them in isolation, but then cast as this big panorama you're like oh snap this is kind of cool and interesting and so it would have been neat to actually see that literal actor aging because when y'all kept referencing clint eastwood what's what's interesting about mad max as played by mel gibson is he's he is 21 in that first film or 23 he's he's young 20s and so it would have been really interesting to see this arc of the life of the actor Yes. portraying the life of the character. That would have been really cool. I could yeah. not agree more. That is another, it's a, um, I don't think that this is superficial. It's uh, after the events of Mad Max, the next time we see him in the Road Warrior, he's still in his 20s. This is only maybe a couple of years after Mad Max, at most, but he has that gray streak. 
Yeah. Right? Because he is shook. And one of the things I love, again, about Beyond Thunderdome, his hair is longer. It's now been yeah, 10 yeah. plus years from there. That gray streak is longer. There's more of it. It's just primed for us to see Max age. And so I love the yeah. point that you're making there. And that's why I would love, I truly would. I would love for Gibson to return to this role and have like my, my ideal story, I think would be Max homecoming to the kids now grown up that escaped in beyond Thunderdome. And he finally, gotcha. yeah. finally comes home and can stay home. He yeah. doesn't have and- to, he doesn't just lead people home and then leave like at the end of Fury Road. Um, he finally can yeah. say, okay, I can stay. I can go yeah. through the door. And, and something something else, again, just, you know, for all the complications that his persona brings with him, Mel Gibson has improved over time as an actor. You know, I look at films like, mm-hmm. again, he's a complicated performer in real life and with a complicated legacy. But when you watch a film like Bloodfather, which I don't know if you've seen, but it's like, yeah, Mel Gibson as a performer would be able to bring some really incredible things because it's just for all the the stuff he still can deliver when he fits into that niche because he can bring a depth to it just because he's a talented performer again all personal I, stuff aside I, I i think that if we're if if we're kind of bringing this in for a land, sure yeah. yeah yeah that's that um i think it's important that we have uh whoever portrays max needs to have the chops to communicate so much bodily and and right. facially yeah. That's that's the crucial thing to be Max, mm-hmm. um, and then Max needs to have a company with him. Mm-hmm. And I guess this is the way that I want to maybe try to clarify what I was getting at before. And I think this connects with like, is Max a cipher? I think in a way he is. What Max is is the person who almost doesn't have a personality at this point, except he's the guy who shows up and. Like you're saying, Reed makes the difference. Yeah. It, this is the story of these different survivors. Mm-hmm. And um, a, a, again, it is the woundedness of Max that is so severe that he's almost not human. And we, and we see that even more in Fury Road, mm-hmm. right? I mean, even a Morton Joe's soldiers call him like an animal. He's just a feral animal. He's yeah. in a birdcage upside down, right? He's just an animal. Right, um, right. But what what is this animal's purpose? He is set in motion to to make the difference. That that is what his personality is. It isn't anything else. He is subsumed within that role of the drifter who yeah. makes the difference, and he he is whoever he is helping, and that's mm-hmm. and that's really that's awesome. It. I love that he yeah. is whoever he is helping. I feel like that's a. a, a any other sort of real elaborate thematic notion might be forcing things at this point. Um, he is who he helps. That's, that's badass. That's mad. Max. I love that. Um, I love that. <laughs> I, yeah. I am curious. It makes me it, want to rewatch those. I know. Yes. Uh, oh, trust me. I'm like, I can get about 30 minutes of fury road in and not be utterly wasted tomorrow. Um, <laughs> uh, Ian, I am curious in, in as cursory a fashion as your human self is capable of. So maybe tap into superhuman, like, when you knowing your affection for this stuff, although I think you said Fury Road was a main entry point, like did did the Tom Hardy of it all was like that bothersome? Was like it is what it is, like or were you not invested enough yet for that to be problematic to you? Yeah, it wasn't problematic the first time I saw it. I was just like, yeah, you know, Mel's out of the out of the picture, mm-hmm. and sure, I let's let's do this. Let's see what happens. And I think that he's good. Um, 
So to a far lesser extent, I, I, I have the ideal beyond Thunderdome in my mind. And I also have that Fury Road where it is the, sure, the yeah, old yeah, maps sure. yeah, um, right. finding peace. I'm I'm perfectly happy with it as it is. Mm-hmm. And I know Miller and I know Hardy want to do another one. And I hope that we have the homecoming of Max Rockatansky. Mm-hmm. I think that that would be a wonderful way to bring this to conclusion. So steering that into the fog meter, I... I uh, let me just pitch this to you real quick. If if we do get a fifth one and it's hard, whether it's Hardy, whether it's Gibson, whatever, it's Mad Max. He's he's returning home to the survivors from the third film. So is a safe working title at least return to Thunderdome? <laughs> like, can we do that? Like, because they're going to be that age where you know, like maybe at this point they've got kids who are going into college age. You know, kind of well, like they are I'm, establishing as homage to anti entity, as homage <laughs> to just sort of their experience. Well, they've established the first ever Thunderdome. I'm I'm gonna petition Miller, and I'm gonna make a thousand new fake email addresses <laughs> to, to, to back that up. Absolutely, from, from the educational institution oh of Thunderdome. Um, all right, so the fog meter is the fear of God's own special metric on how we judge films. Clearly, we've again danced a bit across uh, uh, or, or wandered in and out uh, like the the samurai, uh, the lone wolf, into these films, but at least primarily trying to focus on road warrior here uh fear how scary or kind of you know monstrous whatever we want to call it a thing is god how substantive substantive a thing is Ian, i'm gonna try to start with you on both of them if you were to identify a fear metric for the road warrior uh, uh what would your metric be and a, a quick note about that i i'd probably give it a uh, a seven because there okay. are some there are some deeply unpleasant things in it and we do definitely have that jump scare of Wes, like, still alive! You know? <laughs> <laughs> at least it's its front end jumping mm-hmm. at you. you know, that, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, yes. <laughs> to, to the point, quick editorial note, trivial bit here. Uh, uh, I think the phrase was barometer bottom that Mel Gibson gave him because they were actually filming in a very cold topography, despite the fact that it looks quite desert-ish. And how they could tell it was time for everyone to warm up is when that actor's bottom turned purple. Uh, no, uh, r- real story. Wow. There. Read, uh, <laughs> uh, fear metric. For you. Uh, I'm not far off. And for the same reasons, I'm going to give it a six. There's some grisly stuff in it. Um, and, 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 you know, yeah, I, I think there's a, there's a sharpness to a lot of it that can, can have some of that fear energy, if not nightmarish, at least sort of grisly, grotesque, have that kind of flavor to it. So I'm going to go with a six. Um, I think even surprising myself here, I'm going to land at a seven. Having seen the three uh, early films in quick succession, just the, the, the realization of, of the world being built and, and the style and the sort of grotesque yet almost sensual kind of gritty, dirty world yeah. that these characters occupy invites uh, a a sort of creep factor uh that 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 is just really fascinating mm. it's really fascinating and so i'm gonna go with a seven on the fear metric uh ian circling back around to you for the god metric how would you rank road warrior which may be bias a little towards the whole i understand i mean i i would say an eight um trying to be as like objective as possible since we are talking about things that are largely implicit that are largely uh captured by by witnessing um Mm -hmm. um but i but i think are there and i think invite 
invite the self-examination of like, how have I fallen short of what I'm to be? And do I want to continue just surviving? Mm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah, it's compelling. Reed, what about you? Um, so this conversation has given me nearly everything that I have to think about. So there, you know, it's using the text of the film. Um, but if I'm judging just my experience on the film, I'm, I'm going to have to be honest and cite it for just my experience of it. I would put it at a four. Now this conversation has illuminated a lot of things that I'm going to be able to think about. And if I, and I'm sure I will, if I rewatch these films down the line, those things will be in my imagination and maybe I'll connect with it in a lot more of a profound way. But yeah, for right now, it's a four for me. Um, I think uh, franchise wide, I might even steer towards a nine for, for road warrior explicitly. I think I'm going to steer on a five. Um, I, I will say this as, as maybe my final note writ large, uh, and that is expressing appreciation, gratitude for us even engaging in this because it sounds dumb. You know, we, we three specifically are movie people, movie watchers. We like watching movies. We watch a lot of movies, blah, blah, blah. But there was something really thrilling about y'all know this feeling we watch our, our information overload culture means we're always aware of every movie that's coming out that we're interested right. in. We know the plot synopsis. We know the actors. We know the blah, blah, blah. There was something really exhilarating about being like, I kind of know a real broad sketch, but I really don't know what I'm about to watch. And this is really fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. I really enjoyed the watching of these three movies. So uh, God on uh, Road Warrior 5, God on uh, Total Franchise, probably like a nine. Uh, recommendations. Ian, do you recommend The Road Warrior? No, I demand that everyone go out and watch The Road Warrior. (laughs) Okay, a demand, not a recommendation, a demand. Reed, do you recommend? (laughs) Okay, when he demands, you You either run or you abide. You know, Uh, Reed, do you recommend The Road Warrior? So, so with not a lot of energy around it, I do because it's visually very arresting, and I think. What I would recommend is having conversations with people like Ian who love the Mad Max franchise because that's going to drive you to want to watch more of it. My own viewing of it, I was like, "Get it? Yep, mm-hmm. it's going to drive you." Um, by by the way, two things. First of all, Fog Meter, we gave it a six out of ten. I don't think I said that, but we mm. gave it a six out of ten nice. for the overall. Um, also, just not for nothing, uh, for a film that is rooted in the fact that gasoline is very shortage, there is a whole lot of driving in this. I I mean, tons of driving in this movie. I never see anybody. <laughs> Like, like that's just, I don't see, yeah, I don't see any cars spurting out as they're making these big chases, like a whole lot of driving in this movie, but no, that would have been a whole different chase. <laughs> yeah, just they like, just slowly, oh, man, one just, just peels ran, off. Oh, I'm out. I ran out, but, uh, but no, like it's not an enthusiastic recommendation for me, but what is an enthusiastic recommendation is the people who love this franchise, like find out why, because I've gleaned a lot from this conversation and I'm grateful for it. So yeah, that's my take. Um, I do recommend road warrior. I totally understand what you're saying. Reed, I I think, and I would even say for you, if you do, uh, the first one specifically, the first one adds a lot of architecture Mm -hmm. and sort of scaffolding to the the franchise writ large. And so I, I do recommend road warrior, but specifically just, I am much more intrigued about the entirety of Mad Max than I was even 24 hours ago. So that's a fun sort of place to be in. Awesome. Awesome. Man, Ian, thank you so much for being here with us, man. Really appreciate it. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm honored that you guys asked me to do this. Um, and I, I meant it when I said like a movie that's dear to me with two brothers that are dear to me. Mm. This is, uh, I've been really looking forward to this um, ever since I got the invite. It, it is, uh, is, 
is an honor. That's awesome. Man, well, we love you, brother. And uh, listeners, thank you so much for being here. Nathan, thank you so much for hanging in here with us. We're making you a mixtape. Track one was The Goonies. Track two was The Road Warrior. And as a bonus track, we gave you the whole franchise as it was. <laughs> so, and, and, and we're playing it on a boombox outside that's, your that's exactly window. Right. That's yeah. exactly right. exactly right. So next week, um, uh, the next track in this little lineup, we are going to be hearkening back to one of the series we did earlier in the year of animated uh, horror thriller films. And we're going to be going to the 1988 classic landmark in anime Akira. So check out Akira for next week's uh, conversation. We are very excited to to be revisiting the film and to be talking about it. And also for the patrons, check out Stranger Things Season 4, Episode 7, so that we can you know, and, and not, uh, note that it is also like an hour and 40 minutes long. So it's two films next week is what we're talking about. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, no, Stranger Things season four, episode seven for next week. And then Akira as well as the next track on our mixtape. Ian, thank you again. Nathan, thank you again. Listeners, thank you so Absolutely. much. And as we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. In that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. Amen. See you, brothers. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. Start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for links to our social media, essays, and episode archive merchandise and more. If you love what we do, please consider becoming a patron by visiting patreon.com slash thefearofgodpodcast. There you'll unlock exclusive bonus episodes, extended standard episodes, online event access, and so much more. We want to issue a special thanks to Jacob Hunt of TracerMatula.com for our artwork, also to our assortment of talented musicians, including Andrew Nelson, The Island Family, and Jackson Harper for our varied show tunes, and also to Lee Wright, who helped me, Reed Lackey, write our theme music. Special thanks also to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through Apple Podcasts, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody.